Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast Radio. Welcome back to Southeast Radio's Business Matters with me, Carl Fitzpatrick. My final guest, Stefan Spencer, is an SEO supremo and the author of the book The Art of SEO. Stefan, perhaps you can start the interview by highlighting your search engine optimization credentials. Sure. I started doing SEO back in the 90s, in the very early days, back before even Google existed. Back in those early days, SEO, I was all about trying to figure out how the algorithms worked, poking and prodding at the black box and figuring out uh, kind of reverse engineering what worked and what didn't. And over the course of working with a, a, a number of clients that we were building websites for, companies like Birdseye and so forth, we were able to really upskill and figure things out. And then we started offering SEO audits and consulting beyond just building SEO into the websites for our web development clients. And yeah, I've been doing this for a very long time. First edition of The Art of SEO came out in 2009. By then, I had been doing SEO for you know, well over a decade. And from your experience, what are the major SEO challenges which businesses face in 2019? Well, what they oftentimes uh, struggle with at the very beginning is figuring out what to do to start up. Or another common problem is they will hire somebody who doesn't uh, have the chops, that isn't very good at SEO, maybe to build links, and they end up being low-quality links, and those end up getting you in trouble with Google, and it's very hard to dig yourself out of a hole like that because you've been penalized by Google either algorithmically or uh, a manual action, a manual penalty. And how can businesses identify the difference between good quality and bad quality links? Well, good quality are ones that appear to be uh, earned naturally, that aren't engineered, uh, not some backdoor deal has been done to get them. They, they, they look editorial, whereas a commercial uh, link is one where tends to be site-wide in the footer or in the sidebar. It's not in the main copy of the, of the page. It's um, uh, got over-engineered anchor text, meaning that it's got keywords in the underlined words that are not common, like if it's used cars um, Ireland or something like that. That's not a common uh, anchor text. That's not common words that you would underline. So things that make it look unnatural, will uh, stick out to an algorithm. But you can also use tools to evaluate whether the links are from uh, low-quality neighborhoods in the, in the web or high-quality, like high-authority, high-trust websites or low-quality. And uh, some tools that will do this very well include Link Detox uh, from linkresearchtools.com and uh, Majestic, and Ahrefs, these are all excellent tools that will ascertain whether the link neighborhood that you're in is good or bad. And what percentage of businesses do you think are maximizing the benefits which can be delivered through SEO? I'd say most companies are underutilizing the value that SEO provides. And even big companies, but certainly the, the, the smaller businesses, they just don't know what they're missing out on. And so they're relying uh, too heavily on paid ads, and, like Google ads and so forth. And uh, the problem with Google ads is the moment you stop spending 
money is the moment you stop receiving the benefit that those uh, Google ads have been bringing you. Whereas with SEO, it's an asset. It builds uh, value, asset value over time to get these high-quality links pointing to your site and to optimize uh, your, your uh, SEO on page. And, and so the website itself is, is uh, finely tuned to rank well in Google. So specific to SEO, what do you think are the key areas that businesses are underutilizing? So I, I think the hardest nut to crack for a small business uh, person is the, the link building side of it. Like how do they get high quality links from authoritative, trusted websites? Because they don't have control over those websites, whether they link to them or not, how they link to them. It's a big mystery. It's almost like a secret, but I, I do have a chapter in the Art of SEO, Chapter 7, dedicated to that aspect on, on content marketing and link building. So share some of the ideas from the book with us this morning, please. Yeah, so I would recommend starting with identifying uh, websites that are uh, relevant to your business and or your niche that have... Um, uh, good authority and trust scores, according to tools like uh, Ahrefs and Majestic and uh, link research tools, then offer them a, a give. You know, it's a give, then a get. And if you could imagine adding value to their community by some sort of collaboration or uh, offering some value to them, that's a great way to start the, the conversation and then hopefully an ongoing relationship. And one of the best ways to uh, build relationships is in the real world. So go to events, conferences for your industry, uh, meetups, uh, uh, networking functions where influential uh, website owners, bloggers will hang out. Like, for example, blogger conferences. There's a women bloggers conference, for example, called BlogHer. B-L-O-G-H-E-R, and you could go there if you're targeting uh, women as a, a primary demographic. That would be a great uh, conference for you to meet other influential uh, bloggers and you know, work out relationships with them. Are many of these bloggers now charging for links? Yes, that's a great question. They do oftentimes charge, and I would not ever pay them money in terms of for the opportunity to get a link because that leaves a certain kind of footprint for Google to pick up with their algorithms. If they're willing to take money from you, then they're willing to take money from other sites, other business owners who are probably not as relevant, who probably don't have as high quality of products as you do. And that sticks out like a sore thumb to an algorithm. Now, traditionally, keywords were synonymous with SEO, but how relevant are they today? They're still relevant, but I would think in terms of like, what are the keywords that are uh, being typed into Google or spoken to Google because voice search is, uh, is getting bigger all the time. And, and those are individual words or phrases being typed in. They're not what Google refers to as entities. Once you have the keywords identified that the user is searching for in Google, then you can see if you're ranking for those keywords, but you would need to use some ranking tools that uh, hit multiple Google data centers from different locations just to see if um, you are truly at position one uh, across multiple locations or just locally in your area. And, and 
then when you, you start thinking about, well, what are some of the related keywords or, or uh, terms? And again, when you think of entities, that's a collection of keywords. And then you need to start writing copy that encompasses multiple of these keywords. I'm not talking about different verb tenses of the same keyword or uh, singular and plural. Google is much more sophisticated than that. So if you're going to write about lawnmowers and you only talk about lawnmowers and you don't talk about grass or lawn clippings or landscaping or weed whackers or any of these other related keywords, it looks like a very surface-level piece of content, and you're going to lose. Now, you mentioned the emergence of voice search, and as you say, it's very much a growing trend globally. So when businesses are completing SEO tasks to make sure that their websites and their apps are achieving better search results, is the same approach taken for text search as it is to voice? Kind of. Uh, What I would recommend is that if you care about voice search, and you should, then you need to target what are called featured snippets. That's the answer that preempts all the regular organic results. It's either a paragraph or a bulleted list, and that uh, SEO uh, practitioners refer to as position zero, even above position one in the organic results. If you can take the featured snippet spot, then you will be the answer in voice search. So you win both for text search when people are typing in keywords and looking at uh, the results in, 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 uh, on the, their mobile phone or on their desktop, and you win in voice search because you will be read aloud as the answer, the one answer, because uh, it's not a uh, Google voice search is not useful if it's reading off a bunch of uh, multiple answers. It needs to be, you need to be the answer, and that's the featured snippet. And how can a business secure that position? Yeah, so it really helps if you are already ranking on page one, the higher the better. It also matters if you get higher than normal click-through rate for your position in the search results. So if you're, let's say, number seven uh, and your competitor is number two, you might still get the featured snippet even though your competitor is outranking you organically because you have higher than normal click-through rates for your position at at number seven, and you might have a more concise or comprehensive answer in in your copy on your page that is better suited as the featured snippet than your competitors. And also, if you are in the more ideal format, for example, a how-to sort of query, like how to boil an egg, would probably be best answered as a featured snippet with an ordered list, a numbered list, steps one, two, three, four. Whereas if you're listing the process of boiling an egg just as one big paragraph of copy, that's not as ideal in the format, and uh, a competitor might be used instead as the featured snippet because they did use a numbered list or they used uh, uh, headlines with, with numbering uh, in, in their article. And are we going to see a situation shortly whereby Google is going to deliver voice-related results for all voice-related searches? I predict that we're going to be heading to a world where the LUI, the linguistic user interface, is going to be the predominant mode for us to communicate with our technology. And uh, it will be as big of a game changer, as as big of a paradigm shift as it was when we went from the DOS prompt 
You know, remember those days oh, too when we switched to the GUI when the, the Mac took off and uh, and then Windows. Uh, you know, the early days of Windows. That was a game changer. That was a paradigm shift, and we're going to see that same kind of paradigm shift, probably even bigger, when the Louis is really the way that we interface with our technology or with our computers and so forth, because we can speak so much faster than we can type, especially on small devices. So um, we're going to get answers via voice uh, that way. We're going to have uh, augmented reality uh, glasses or, uh, or, or even contact lenses. It'll be a whole new world. Now, over the last number of years, we've seen lots of businesses invest in mobile-friendly websites. But in order to be able to prepare for the future, what type of a website would you recommend? And what language would you recommend it be written in? Well, a, a website is something that you do, not something that you view. So you need to get out of this paradigm or kind of trap that it's a, a set of pages. A website it really is an experience. And that experience can uh, be delivered via mobile, uh, could be delivered via, um, you know, like a mobile website or a mobile app. It should be probably a responsive website, or uh, you could take it to the next level and not just be uh, responsive where it works well and is optimized for both mobile and desktop, but also even have an app-like experience, and that's called progressive web app. Uh, so PWA, or you could take it to another level and create a, a pure mobile app uh, like you'd find in, in the app stores of uh, Google Play and, and uh, iTunes. Uh, so that's even more of an investment. But uh, then you also need to look at things like uh, AR and VR devices. You should play with Oculus Rift and all that. So it's a, it's a rabbit hole that you could end up going down. But uh, just having a mobile-friendly website is table stakes. It's, it's the bare minimum just to even show up at all. Now, many small and local businesses have opted to operate without a website, and instead they felt that social media presence was enough for them. So for them to have a Facebook page and an Instagram page and that, what's your advice to them? Well, it's a terrible idea to rely on other sites and other businesses for your visibility. A friend of mine who's an author and uh, internet expert, James Shramko, calls it own the race course. That means that you need to be in control of your own destiny, have your own website, your own presence that cannot be taken away from you. You can't have the rug yanked from under you because you violated some obscure terms of service item and they shut your account down, and now your presence is wiped off of that primary platform that you were relying on, if it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever. So um, it's great to have a social media presence on the platforms that matter for your target audiences, but you don't rely on it because uh, that is a very dangerous place to be. Now, earlier in the interview, you referenced virtual and augmented reality. And of course, their growth has been much slower than many commentators have predicted. Are you still optimistic about their growth over the coming years and the impact that they will have on search engine optimization? I'm very bullish about AR and VR, yes. And uh, it will be a a sudden uh, kind of up and to the right 
uh, adoption curve. It's going to be massive, just like we've seen with uh, you know uh, cell phones and fax machines and other technologies. It, it gets to a critical mass and then, boom, mass adoption. So it may not come in the next 12 months, but if you're not preparing for it now, if you aren't playing with the devices and, and uh, dreaming big, brainstorming around use cases that involve your products and services, you're going to be left behind in the dust when it suddenly hits that asymptote and uh, it's just whoosh all the way to the top. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Stefan Spencer, the author of The Art of SEO. And I would like to thank Stefan for sharing his experience with us this morning. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast.